Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On this week's episode, I am joined by Mark Minkian. Mark describes himself as an urban and architectural geographer. He is the editor-in-chief of Failed Architecture and produces the Failed Architecture podcast. Failed Architecture is this really great online publication that seeks to reconnect architecture to the real world and exploring the meaning of architecture in contemporary society. It's a site that I discovered a few years ago and have just been a really big fan of, and I think they've produced some really great uh, essays and podcasts about architecture and, and design discourse in in kind of today's world. In this conversation, Mark and I talk about how he got interested in architecture and writing and the goals for failed architecture and how he thinks of uh, failed architecture's kind of editorial point of view. We also talk about the state of architecture and design discourse. We talk about independent publishing and the role of the critic. It covers all sorts of uh scratching the surface topics and is a really interesting one I think that you'll you'll really enjoy. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or just $50 a year. Members get an exclusive monthly newsletter that I think of as the director's commentary track for the podcast. Each month I share additional content, episode previews, and short little essays related to the themes of the podcast. These memberships really help with the ongoing production of the podcast. I just really appreciate all of your support and hope that you enjoyed this fascinating conversation with Mark Minkian. On your bio on the Failed Architecture website, your title or your, your bio lists you as an urban and architectural geographer. Uh, and <laughs> I've never heard that term before. And I kind of want to start with that. What does What is an urban and architectural geographer? What does that mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, well, the, I, I made up the architectural geographer part. <laughs> okay. Um, but um well an urban geographer is uh that's i actually i studied urban geography um here in amsterdam at the university it's uh this basically what other universities would call human geography or uh, urban studies so it's it's human geography with like a focus on uh cities um so yeah i that's actually the kind of um, geographical approach um, that I try to bring to uh, to architecture. So it's I think it's about putting things into uh, look looking at them in the context of uh, space and time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so putting putting things into perspective basically, and that's that's yeah I, I think that's um, what I like or try to do with architecture. You. S- you said you studied urban geography is what it was called. Yeah. yeah. And so what, why did you do that? What was your interest at the time or what, what does someone who studies urban geography usually kind of go on to do after, after studying? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, let's see, this, those are a uh, few questions. I think I, um, um, be- before that I studied, uh, economics. Oh, okay. Which is a very, which was a very useful move for uh, finding out that that was really what I did not want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, and then I met some people who were, you know, did some 
I tried out some um, sociology, anthropology, um, and then I met some people who were more into the geo. Let's say the, into the in the who were studying uh, geography, and um, yeah, um, that sounded really appealing. So I also made that move. Um, and um, what, what was your second question about that? Again? I mean, like what somebody who who studies that what does. <laughs> What kind of jobs mm. are there or what yeah. even, you know, someone like yourself who kind of just kind of saw it and you're like, yeah, this looks like something I could do. What was yeah. your kind of thinking of like, oh, this is the life I would have with this? Or were you even thinking about? Oh, that? yeah. Um, no, I had no idea. Also, um, and when I explained it to my parents, I uh, uh, when I told them what I was going to do. This was also one of their first questions, of course. Yeah, and I can really tell them. Uh, I just knew <laughs> that um, this sounded really fascinating. This is something that I really want want to do. Mm-hmm. But I also myself, I didn't really know where it would lead me. And I think my father also said, oh, "That's the dumbest thing that you can do." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, I love uh, that. Um, no, I also I wasn't really sure myself either. Um, but uh, I think, I guess many people who do um, study it end up in either in research and academic careers, mm-hmm. um, working for uh, municipalities, you know, governments um, or um, consultancy um, organizations, uh, planning, uh, things like that. Yeah. And so where did the... Where did architecture kind of come into that? Was that something that was happening in that program? Was that something that you were kind of always interested in? How did those things start to come together for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I think architecture. I don't remember like exactly when, but at some point, it I I figured that architecture is actually very useful to make these uh, geographical. Um, I don't know to this 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 way of looking at the world more concrete because even though it is you know geography it is about place it is about space about regions about cities um, still they're often about pretty um, abstract uh, let's say developments yeah. or phenomena yeah. like social inequality or uh, um, economic uh, development and um, I, at some point, I, I think I noticed that architecture is a very useful medium to talk about these things. So you basically, you can use architecture mm-hmm. um, to talk about these um, issues or these types of research and make them make them also more um, appealing, maybe, or... Um, right. Um, or, or yeah, I mean things. I mean we live in a in a, in a in a visual culture, so things need some sort of a illustration, I think, to uh, yeah um, to reach people. So that's where um, architecture is useful for. It's interesting to me that it sounds like architecture was almost secondary to your interest. That you were interested in these kind of human phenomena, the kind of the, these larger questions, and architecture was a way to make it concrete to make it real as opposed to being interested in buildings and then moving out to look at kind of humans and and Mm -hmm. interaction it was almost the inverse where it was like idea first 
than architecture, right? You know what I'm, does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think you're right. Um, I mean, it's not like I, um, I wasn't interested in buildings before, but I didn't know anything about architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also, I think, maybe we can talk about that later, but which is, I think, a problem of the architectural discourse, so to yeah. say, that it feels very ex- exclusive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're not allowed to talk about this because you're not an architectural theorist or an ar- architectural historian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, in my um, development as, a, as an architecture writer uh, started later, so retro... I don't know if that's retroactively, but um, no, I, I think I um, I call myself like an amateur architectural historian also. So, yeah. you know, reading up on a lot of things um, in the past, I don't know, eight, nine years. Um, yeah, so no, no, you're right. That it was a secondary um, thing. But um, and interestingly enough, like now I am also a little bit like part of the architectural discourse right uh, so it feels, right. it feels strange it's a strange position or place to be in i mean so so just to follow this thread a little bit or to kind of follow your kind of trajectory into architecture mm-hmm. and speaking about you kind of now being a part of the discourse in a way how did can you talk a little bit about how that happened or so you kind of you're you're in this program you realize architecture is this way to kind of look at these issues, how did you find yourself, I mean, I don't even know if you would call yeah. yourself a quote-unquote architecture writer, but how did you find yourself as someone who is writing about architecture for a lot of these kind of big architecture publications? Yeah, I think it just happened along the way. Um, I, I um, Well, failed architecture has been a big, um, has had a big role in that and has been a big platform. But even before that, um, I, I started uh, a personal blog, um, on, I think that was also around 2010, and I, it was called City Breaths, so it's completely un- unpronounceable, um, <clears throat> at least for me, um, uh, a name. Um, so yeah, I just started writing about, um, about urban developments, but also about architecture, just to like train myself, myself and to get familiar with the vocabulary, with mm-hmm. um, with writing in English, with, um, you know, it was also a way for me to keep track of, of, of what was going on. So it was also a bit of a personal archive. Yeah. Um, and then around shortly after, shortly after I started that, actually we here in Amsterdam, we, we, um, we started failed architecture. Um, um, me together with, or actually, I I only joined in a little bit later. Um, but it's um, yeah, and that really, of course, I mean the name, yeah, and yeah, yeah. already like directs everything to architecture. I had to start writing about architecture, yeah. of course. Okay, so I didn't realize that failed architecture was so early in your writing career for some reason i was under the impression that you were kind of writing for a lot of other places and then and then kind of started failed architecture so how did that mm-hmm. I, I guess i have two questions basically how did failed mm-hmm. architecture start or kind of how, how did that begin and then the sub question is just for listeners who who don't know what it is can you kind of give the the high level pitch of what <laughs> failed architecture is 
Yeah. Okay. I'll 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 um I'll first say something about the genesis then because it it started from actually from inside a, a building in Amsterdam and it started and the story started with this building because um, we were um, a group of people who were um, uh, organizing uh, cultural programs at this place and this place was it was called Trouw Amsterdam it was a former printing press hmm. of um, I think three national newspapers um, but the printing press um, moved out I think around 2007 or a bit earlier and then around that time um, the place was used as a um, was starting to be used as a as a club so uh, a nightclub uh, a restaurant and and a cultural venue okay um, and at some point it was the most um, one of the most popular nightclubs in um, in Europe, I think about seven years ago. Oh, wow. um, but also, it was also clear from the start that the building would have to be demolished uh, soon to make way for like upscale residential right. development. So right. that's where the question started. So hey, um, apparently this uh, this building is a failure because it has to go. Uh, but who decides what? Uh, you know, when can you call something a failure? And, you know, according to whom, and um, in in some respects, it was it was enormously successful. Also, so um, yeah, starting from that, this it started. Field architecture started as um, a series of uh, events, talk shows, uh, debates mm. about um, let's say places that either have failed to stand the test of time or right. um, were problematic in one way or another um so we invited people from from all over the world to talk about different places and at the same time we uh started um a blog it was a, a very very simple tumblr page nice and it was basically a, um, a collection of uh, of case studies that were in one way or, in, or another comparable to um to the um, the building in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. um, and um, put very short, you know, a few pictures and a short description, um, and quickly we we noticed that it um, it caught on. So um, a lot of people visited the the blog. Um, I mean, the title helps, of course. Yeah. Because people like, whoa, what's this? What's this? What what's this about? Um, and um, so we noticed, like, hey, this is the, we've got something here, and um, started um, expanding our, our online presence. I think so. We we also started inviting other people to contribute right. and um, doing a little bit more, like I don't know, critical or in depth or uh, in depth pieces, more essays, and then at some point. Um, you know, it evolved into a, a WordPress page and yeah. a, a new design and another design and scaling up, and mm-hmm. etc. Um, and um, so that's a start. And then from there, it, it we also started doing um, like research workshops um, in places around, mostly around Europe at the start, and then 
um, also outside of Europe, in which we would like together with uh, an organization in um, in the city that we would go to mm-hmm. pick like a case, uh, a problematic piece of architecture in that city. Oh, interesting! And just figure out what's what's going on there, and usually with a lot of participants. Um, Mostly students, young professionals, or whoever wants, wanted to join. So um, there was like another uh, lag um, and that started to uh, um, develop, right. um, I think, around six years ago. And um, that's, yeah, you wanted to know what yeah. field architecture is about. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so how, I mean, for somebody who doesn't, um, it's, I I have like a a bunch of questions now just based mm-hmm. on everything that you just said. But before I kind of get into those, just for people that that aren't familiar with the site, how do you talk about it now, or what is the kind of you know that yeah. that way that you describe it? Because it actually is very similar to the origins, but it has expanded in a lot of different ways. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Um, I, I think there are many ways of explaining it, and maybe my uh, uh, my fellow failed architects would, would explain it uh, differently. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, and I think that's also something we say on the, on our website, I'm not sure, but I would call it like a, a platform for critical urban discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and we try to look at architecture, not just as a, as a design object, you know, or a, a formal or stylistic thing, but much more as an expression of, um, yeah, larger um, social, political developments. Um, yeah, so yeah, and I can say much more about it. But yeah, this is this is uh, the core for me, I think. And also, it's I think we cherish it as a place of of critical spatial analysis, especially in the field of. Um, <clears throat> especially for for a title that or uh, a publication that has architecture in its title because uh, architectural right. media are usually very like positivist or mm-hmm. solutionist mm-hmm. Yeah. or uh, celebratory of um, of architecture of of new spatial developments and we try to rather than celebrating it uh, we try to complicate things a little yeah. bit or, yeah, or nuance, totally. um, bring in some nuances to the um, success stories. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you set up exactly what kind of my next couple questions were going to be. And it's interesting to hear you, hear you describe the site that way, because as you were talking about your background and kind of what you were studying in school and how you got into architecture, I totally see that influence in the writing on the site and that it isn't just mm-hmm. this kind of positive, um, you know, kind of celebration, kind of like, let's talk about buildings and aesthetics, there is always that kind of deeper, uh, and more critical lens to it across everything that you publish. And so I, I, I guess I'm saying that to say that I see the influence of, of kind of your background and the way you talked about how you got into all of this on the site. Um, but it then does it, I have a couple questions around I don't know if you'd call it the editorial vision or kind of how mm-hmm. you think about about <clears throat> publishing, but do you consider the the essays on the site works of architecture criticism, or does that does that distinction of criticism versus essay versus journalism 
versus like profile? How do you kind of see that? Mm. And how do you think about that for the site? Jeez, um, <laughs> then you, we'd have to talk about what exactly is architecture criticism. <laughs> Uh, right. For example, yeah. um, well, my next, I mean, I'll tell you my next question and maybe mm -hmm. that, or the question that I was kind of getting yeah. to, and maybe that will help is when I was preparing for this interview, I stumbled upon something you had written, I think in, back in 2014 about, um, mm -hmm. Arch Daily and how, how big of a site that is, but it's often just kind of architect PR pieces yeah. and there isn't a critical lens and how failed architecture is, not a direct response to that, but is kind of trying to provide an alternative to that. And in that piece that you wrote, you talked about how failed architecture's audience will never be as big as Arch Daily, and just kind of talking about clickbait and those types of things. And and that's kind of, I was mm -hmm. curious how you kind of think about that and, and about the discourse in general and where you, you know, where you fit into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Um, I don't, Sorry, I that was like a huge question all of a sudden. No, 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 it's all right. It's it's not that big. Um, yeah, I think that was a very quick like post that I did about. Yeah, and it was only yeah, like art daily and architecture criticism. Yeah, very short post. Um, and it was a. Um, I think yeah. I mean the let's say the the dominant architectural media. Uh, at least on the internet, are something that we like to provide an alternative for because most of them are, and if we if we put it bluntly, are just um, um, republishing the press right. releases of architects. Right. Um, and we we like to um, you know um, do a little more and try to analyze what it is that we're seeing um, in the world around us and. How did it come into being, you know, and who who paid for it, and who is going to um, benefit from it? Um, questions like these. Um, so yeah, it's. It, I think it's about adding adding another uh, layer to uh, to architecture or the built environment. Mm -hmm. Are you writing for? architects for people in the profession or who, who do you see as the audience for the site or the even the audience kind of for these types of pieces mm -hmm. mm. um yeah i should have a, a clear answer to this right <laughs> as because this is what i do or what we do yeah. um but i think it's often like a lot of the things that we write about are just um, the outcome of personal fascinations right yeah um <clears throat> And then so, sometimes you just really write for yourself. But um, um, no, there are a couple of things. I think, so on the one hand, we want to um, complicate what it is when we talk about architecture. So that's, on the one hand, it's for, I don't know, for architects, maybe. Um, because, um, yeah, I mean, I would, and, and I'm not saying that they don't, but I would encourage uh, architects and architecture students to look at more things than art daily and the zine and this magazine, like, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's called detail, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so that's in that sense, it's aimed at the profession and also sometimes it's a direct criticism of the profession or of the, uh, the outcome of it. But it's also, I mean, we try to be, um, accessible in our writing so it's also about this relates to what I said before that the architectural discourse uh, can be very ex 
exclusive or exclusionary then so on the one hand it's it's superficial and simplifying um, uh, the built environment into uh, design objects and on the other hand there's um, architectural discourse that I sometimes don't even understand yeah um, yeah what's going on so um, we also try to make more um, let's say more analytical uh, work uh, we try to make it accessible also to a larger audience so mm-hmm. that more people can have the feeling like hey I can also have something to say about architecture yeah it, it, it's it, it was interesting to me when I read that piece that you had written about how similar your goals were to kind of my goals in mm. graphic design writing and graphic design mm. criticism because it's the exact same problem there there's essentially two camps there's the very popular graphic design websites that you know honestly feature the same designers over and over there isn't often a critical lens it's it's they're almost kind of like portfolio presentations like you know look at this cool mm-hmm. stuff that's happening it's very image heavy without any kind of context or um uh analysis yeah. and, and that's a blanket statement i don't mean to say that everybody does that but that's the popular thing that's what my design students when they're reading design websites those are the types of sites that they're looking at but then there's the academic graphic design side which is very theoretical and very inaccessible uh that i often don't understand and my interest is somehow finding a middle (laughs) to that um taking that stuff that's happening in the academic side and making it available to more people without oversimplifying it and glorifying the work in a way but Mm -hmm. then kind of providing that that critical lens um so i don't know if that was actually a question other than um (laughs) other than to say it's a it's a way of saying like i feel you man yeah 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 yeah. um i mean not to dismiss like uh, academic discourse or theoretical discourse because we also i mean we're super happy with all the um you know, academics writing for us, but we do encourage them to to write in a in a more let's say popular way, and we we um, we really do our best to uh, to cut cut out all the all the jargon and all the right. all the academic references. I mean, I think that you should be able to 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 translate these into um, a more or less everyday language. Right. Exactly. So um, yeah, that's something that we um, we work. Uh, hard on um, and also I mean um, clickbait is a dirty word of course but I mean yeah. we also we, we I mean we definitely try to um, um, come up with uh, catchy titles and, and, and add good images to, to the articles of course to um, to make sure, I mean, because we're, we're proud of our content, so we want a lot of people to read it. So, right. Um, why not um, I use the, um, let's say, the tools that are um, at hand to uh, spread your message? That's actually really interesting because I was thinking about this when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about. In that, and you mentioned this earlier that even the name "failed architecture" has a certain kind of clickbait quality yeah. to it. Uh, and it's almost like a, I don't, 
I'm trying to frame this in a positive, but it's almost like a little trick. You know, it's it it has yeah. this kind of really kind of bold title or bold name, and then the titles of your stories kind of have this this mm-hmm. kind of hook, and then you get to the site, and it's not always what you expect. It's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more thoughtful. Um, it goes a little bit deeper than you think it would mm-hmm. go. The I I think one of the early pieces I remember seeing on the site was um. Uh, and I'm sorry, I forget who wrote it, but it was about the best showrooms, those kind of like avant-garde. Um, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, the, the store, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the chain, yep. the American uh, department store. Yep. Yeah, 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 department exactly. Store? It's um, a Margaret, Margaret McCormick who wrote that's it. Right, yeah. That's right, that's uh, right. Because there was, a, there was a, a best store in the town that I grew up in, but it was not, oh. one, of, it was not one of those fancy once it was just like a normal kind of department store i think it was like right after that kind of ended and and i had no idea that there was that background and so i thought i was coming to the site just to look at some images and i got this really amazing well-written kind of history of not just these buildings and not just the architects but also about retail and the kind of evolution of of department stores is that something is that something that that you're kind of consciously thinking about as an editor or as a publisher that, that you are not just writing about buildings. You're not just writing about the built world, but you are connecting it to these larger stories, these larger histories. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, um, yeah, totally. And it relates to like, um, also trying to reach out to audiences that are not necessarily would not pick up an architectural magazine. Right. Um, so, I mean, this is a great example and we were lucky that, uh, Margaret pitched it with us. I mean, she's, she's done uh, more pieces for us and she's a great writer. So I would encourage people to, um, to, yeah. to look at her work on our site. Um, no, that's something that we, um, really try to look at that also the, the the stories about architecture also talk about uh, other let's say cultural fields mm-hmm. you know we really like pieces about music and mm. through music also talking about architecture because then i mean it's much easier to, to 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 reach a different audience because then it's about a certain type of music or an artist that people can relate to and can right. like draw them into architecture um, yeah, no, and, and I mean, we've done uh, pieces about like, video games and the right. development of it, um, and um, yeah, or, or arts and in, a broadest, in, a, in the broadest sense, yeah. When I started getting into graphic design criticism, I saw a lot of people kind of saying, things like we should look at film criticism or art criticism as a as a comparison mm-hmm. of look at how these fields have this great kind of critical discourse around them. And as I was starting to think about this more deeply, I found architecture criticism to be the closest comparison over say an art criticism or movie mm-hmm. movie critic because architecture is so much like graphic design in that uh, you know, there's often, you know, it's not just kind of free expression. There is often larger uh, yeah. kind of political and economic 
stories that are around it. And that's very similar to graphic design. And graphic design yeah. doesn't really have a place for people to talk about design in that way. And as a designer looking at architecture, I was always kind of like, oh, wow, you know, look, ar the architecture critics, they get it. Like, this is this is what we should have. And then <laughs> I've been doing this podcast for over two years now, and I'm realizing that it's not as um, robust as I thought it was, <laughs> uh, that there are people doing it. You're, you, of course, are, are one of them. Um, but can you kind of talk about that a little bit about this is a uh, it's a big question, but just kind of mm -hmm. your thoughts on architecture criticism or architecture discourse or or even just kind of the state of the discourse and what you would how you mm -hmm. see yourself mm -hmm. fitting in there or what you kind of want to see more of or you know kind of what's missing or where is it kind of not working yeah um well i think it's um on the one hand it's a dying profession yeah um and I think a lot of people would agree. Like if you look at uh, the amount of architecture critics that were employed by newspapers yeah. 20 years ago and compared to today, then um, you see a, a steep decline. And the same goes for critical, um, the more critical uh, uh, mm -hmm. magazines or more theoretical magazines. Um, yeah, so that's pretty sad. I mean, um, and the simplification of architecture, I think it fits into the larger, let's say, superficialization or polarization of, of, of society, maybe. Um, um, and then at the same time, there are really fascinating things happening also with people trying to do criticism in different ways. I see there's a, there's a real review lying yeah. in there right behind you oh, on the yeah. table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, I had I, mean, uh, I had Jack on the podcast about a oh, yeah, year ago. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah it was I one did. of my favorite interviews, actually. I did listen to it, actually. Yeah, oh, it was nice. it was really good. Yeah, and um, I mean that's that's um, um, a new way of doing mm -hmm. architecture criticism, and or I mean it's not even necessarily about architecture. The magazine it's about much more. Right. Um, but it's a way of, of getting people to think about. Um, the way we live and the spaces we inhabit um, in a different way. Um, so, and there's more more things happening, but in general, I mean, um, it is, um, <clears throat> um, I'm, not, I'm not super optimistic, um, but I think that uh, a lot of people aren't, and that's also, maybe why something like failed architecture does work uh, yeah because more people are seeing um, um, yeah the decline of uh, architectural media or, or architecture criticism this is something that just occurred to me now so I haven't fully thought out this thought that I'm about to kind of pitch to you and see what you think but <laughs> something I think about a lot in regards to graphic design is that the field has just expanded so much in the last 10 or 15 years where, yeah. you know, graphic design for a long time was books, book covers, uh, posters. That's, you know, um, yeah. uh, you know, that sort of thing, magazines. And now it's apps and exhibitions and websites and, 
you know, these digital mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. that just because the field has grown, one of the reasons it's hard to have a kind of strong discourse is because yeah. everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Um, and that yeah. to have to, to talk about graphic design criticism as a kind of overarching thing to uh, to kind of cover all of those almost doesn't even make sense anymore. And that's mm-hmm. why there are all these kind of little, you know, kind of smaller websites, other podcasts, that sort of thing that are kind of yeah. serving those kind of yeah. unique areas. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if architecture might be similar in that there might not be these kind of big kind of central places where this discourse is happening, but there are people like yourself, there are people like the real review that there are all Mm -hmm. these smaller ones. Does that, does that kind of make up for it in some way? Does that kind of dispersion make it harder to have a conversation? Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I just kind of thought about how there might not be, big architecture publications anymore but there are a lot of kind of small independent ones how do those start to talk to each other well that's a good point because (laughs) it's having all these like let's say niche publications it's also a little bit about it's 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 you know it's a case of preaching to the choir right right it's uh talking to your own kind of kinds of people um and that's i mean that's something that we also notice and that we would also like to break out of a little bit. Um, we did make it to the, let's say, the alt-right media here in uh, okay. in um, in the Netherlands a few months ago because we we published uh, something about um, the, let's say, well, the title was Amsterdam's Architecture of Colonial Exploitation. Oh. So basically, it looks at uh, this famous uh, canal district here in Amsterdam as a result of uh, slave trade and uh, mm. other types of uh, exploitation, um, which still, I mean, is uh, something that um, people of, of of our choir, so to say, would only you know agree upon. Yeah, it's important that, we, that these things are being mentioned, but then we were also being picked up finally by uh, <laughs> by other or other uh, another kind of um, medium, and it was. Um, um, well, this is not necessarily something that I, uh, that I would like to, uh, get more of, but, um, no, it, but it does illustrate, I think that everybody's is talking in their own bubble and sometimes right. you, you enter another bubble, but then it's immediately, it's, um, you know, it's so polarized that people don't, um, uh, listen to each other. They're just, um, fighting each other and, you know, there's no conversation now within, um, of course, that's not the case with these little niches within a certain uh, right, discipline. Right, right, right. Uh, that's, I mean, I'm sure they all um, are like each other, you know, yeah. um, but they yeah. don't necessarily talk a lot. Um, and one thing that came to mind when you when you asked the question is that I do think it's a shame that is that architecture is not. Um, not really part of the public discourse anymore, right, the larger public right. discourse. So the newspapers are, I'm not, not really talking about architecture in, in interesting ways anymore. And, um, I mean, in, I don't know about the States, but in a lot of European countries, there used to be, um, television shows, like even primetime oh, television right, would yeah. be 
you know, about architecture. And uh, you would even have like um, eloquent uh, architecture critics talking about um, the spaces around us in, 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 in really interesting ways. But I mean, there's none of that right. anymore. And you could say, of course, that the, um, that the internet is, um, is a substitute for it or replace this. Um, but then again, you are, um, mostly talking to your own kind of people. So, um, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not very optimistic. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't really know how to yeah. break out of it. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? No, I mean, that, I was going to ask you if you had thoughts on how to, how to do it. Um, I, I don't know the best way to do it other yeah. than kind of connecting <clears throat> can you connect these things to people's real lives? You know, yeah. it's, it's like what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation where it's the, the, the building or the piece of design almost becomes a object that can talk about something bigger. Uh, yeah. It doesn't end with the object or the building or the poster or the website or whatever, but it's like, mm-hmm. here's this designed thing and this has influence on our lives outside of the thing itself. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That seems to be a, or I think that's a way to get people interested, but I don't mm-hmm. know how to get that out there either. It's a distribution no. problem also. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And and it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, we do try it, of course, and we yeah. do try to also give a voice to people that we, would not, I mean, people would not expect us to dis or to, to agree with, um, mm. um, you know, we also try to, um, have interest, you know, um, uh, conversations with, I don't know, real estate developers. Right. Um, right. but then, and be genuinely interested in trying to understand what they're doing instead of just having a, you know, a hard talk or, a right. Uh, a fight over something. So, um, and, um, um, that's about engaging, I think, with the things that you are not necessarily a fan of, um, but still maybe starting some sort of a dialogue. And um, yeah, like you said, I try to relate to to um, to other fields as well. Like we we did a, a podcast on uh, video games and the architecture right. of video games. So uh, for which my um, my colleague Charlie talked to people from the video game industry and um right right um so trying to reach out uh and also to musicians for example um try to reach out and and and, and reach a different audience based on um yeah these cultural i don't know signifiers or, yeah. or uh um actors yeah um, I, I mean i don't want to i don't want i don't want to make this about I don't want to make this conversation about this podcast but like that's that's kind of one of my goals is that I'm a graphic designer that started as a graphic design podcast but I'm also talking to architects to critics and theorists to urbanists to novelists now uh to kind of start to see if there can be some sort of dialogue just even between the guests and Mm-hmm. And does that then bring in different listeners? And I think it's worked to varying degrees of success. But I think the way you're talking about it is kind of exactly, again, the way that I kind of even just think about this this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, and, and I, I really applaud you for it, for doing it, and for <laughs> I, for what doing like 170 yeah. episodes in two years. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, hundred. Yeah, you're 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 108. Um, that's wow. Uh, I did I did not say that for you to compliment me, but thank you. I <laughs> I, I appreciate that. No, but I mean, I because we have done like six in uh, <laughs> five months. So, which is which is still which is not bad, I think. So, yeah. um, but we, what you've done is is really incredible. I don't know. You, you you probably sleep like two hours a night. Yeah, I should probably get more sleep. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just I have a couple questions just to kind of wrap it up. I'm curious, what are the the subjects or the topics that you're really interested in right now, either that you kind of want to write about, things you're researching, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. kind of what's next for you? What are the the ideas that are getting you excited um let's 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 see let's think i'm um in general i think maybe first because with that's also a, a move that i've seen within field architecture that we started off with a lot of uh, historical pieces as well mm -hmm. um and we're slowly um becoming more I'm publishing more and more things that are about current developments or developments in the near future. So that's right. something I like, like being on top of things, that things that are currently happening and um, and uh, shed um, a critical light on them. Um, so that's something that, um, um, and that I also uh, am, think I'm trying to do in my in my own writing. And uh, and in a podcast, for example, because that's I'm, I'm basically I don't I always start thinking of topics now and then. The second thing is uh, what's the best medium to to right. Um, right to work it out in, like either in audio or in a written piece or maybe visuals uh, mm -hmm. for the website. Um, well, I um, the um, a year ago I started. Uh, doing research on data centers oh, um, nice. and the proliferation of them, and it was also the the topic of the first podcast episode that we uh, right. published. But um, now I'm I, I think I want to do more with them because I um I'm, I was at a conference recently also about data centers, and it's really interesting that um, big firms like OMA are. Uh, are also doing research yeah. on, the, on the on the topic and uh, coming up with um, designs for data centers and you know seeing data centers as these these emblems of right uh, or I don't know these totems of, of our time and uh, and then of course the challenge is how do you design these things and who hmm. do you design them for is it for machines is it for right humans? right so that's that's interesting and. Um, I am, um, yeah, I have a couple of more like halfway, half ideas that I want to work on because I'm not, I think I'm, I'm, well, I'm reading and talking to a lot of people about the relationship between um, spatial design and uh, urban life and mental health. Mm. So see how these influence each other, uh -huh. not only in design, so the type of spaces that are, you know, good for your right. brain, but also in terms of how the more social economic 
makeup of the city affects uh, people's uh, mental well-being. Um, it might. It, I think it's going to be a podcast, but I'm not sure yet. Um, and um, yeah, there's 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 many more aspects. <laughs> yeah. I also want to want to. Um, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested in looking at architecture through the eyes of people that are not usually the people designing spaces. Mm, interesting. Uh, and um, I mean, that's also what the um, you Alexandra Lang who's also been on your uh, yep. on your podcast, which is uh, which was great for me to listen to as a research. Nice. For, nice. Uh, you know, preparing my interview with her because we talked about her book, um, um, the design of childhood. Yeah, so I loved that book. For, yeah, it's really, it's really good. Yeah, I, I love her writing and um, her way of talking about design and architecture. So that's like, of course, that's um, um, experience in design through the eyes or experience of children. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could, of course. Um, think of all kinds of other minorities, how they experience design. I would like to do a podcast with um, people with visual disabilities and and talk to them about how they experience spaces, certain spaces, maybe, you know, famous uh, architectural masterpieces. Mm -hmm. How are they for, uh, Mm -hmm. are they good spaces for blind people, for example? Right. but usually my fashion fascinations really shift like every few months. And yeah, then there's another that. thing I dive into. Um, I'm the same way. Yeah. Speaking of Alexandra Lang, that kind of actually leads into my last question. I was curious, mm-hmm. who are the other writers that you're, you really love reading or the books that have kind of influenced you or that you find yourself turning to mm-hmm. again and again? Um, what, what's the stuff that you're reading and that you're really liking right now? Yeah. Um, um, well, maybe a few more words about Alexandra Lang then. Go for it. <laughs> because yeah. I, I really like her, uh, her writing. I mean, she's, um, she's super knowledgeable and, um, always does a lot of research, but she manages to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. to bring it across in a, in such an accessible way in her, like her book, but also her, 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 uh, work for Curbed. Mm-hmm. She's the um, uh, architecture and design critic, and the New Yorker. I think is really good. I yeah. love her the long form pieces that she's done for the New Yorker because it's. I mean, it's almost like you're entering a movie, like yeah. a, or a documentary. So she's really writing in scenes, which is of course a very much of a New Yorker thing to do. So right, right. Um, but such um, such vivid stories and really drawing people in through personal narratives, etc. And um, and then you know after when you're in there, you also get to know uh, all the nitpicky details about some um, urban development or um, right. yeah. about a part of architectural history. So it's it's. Yeah, it's really great in, in many ways, and that's also why I like write, uh, reading the New Yorker because it's it's. I mean, there's a lot. There are a lot of cues in there of how you can make mm-hmm. writing more accessible. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm also a big fan of uh, Oliver Wainwright's oh, uh, yeah. writing for for the Guardian because he also 
Um, he's one of the people I think uh, who I look at. Like uh, yeah. that's a way of architecture criticism that I like to do as well. Yeah, he doesn't look at a building as um, you know, just just look at the result, but also how did it get made? Or, um, yeah, where did the money come from? Why this building, or why not something else? Um, so he really looks at the like the financial and um, the social mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, sides to it. And that's yeah. I'm um, yeah. I can I can I think everybody should read his work too. Um, and and Richard Sennett always. Oh yeah, of course. He's, uh, that's someone who I always like to get back to and and read. Um, I think one of the first things that I read from him was about the the New York grid in his book, oh, yeah. uh, Conscience of the Eye. Um, and it just really opened up. Well, I think that's, I think he also really inspired um, me and think more thinking about architecture because he's trying to bring all these um social and political sciences to the let's say the built environment Mm -hmm. and to architecture and his latest book is also just um incredible in in doing so the uh, building and dwelling yeah i haven't read that Um, one yet it's been on my list oh yeah yeah it's uh it's yeah you should read it it no it's really great because you know he talks about building on the one hand which is architecture urbanism Mm -hmm. and then dwelling on the other hand which is um let's say the lived experience of, right, of right. space of a place, which is in many cases, something completely different. And they're also completely out of sync with each other. Um, so often. So, um, and the way he writes about it, it's just, um, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, incredible. I gotta get it. You're, you're, not the first person to mention that new book yeah. in these conversations. It's been on my list. I I just got to buy it. I'll just do it right after we we hang do up. It, do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. Uh, th- I think that's actually a great way to kind of wrap this up. Um, Mark, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of of failed architecture and your work. Um, uh, thanks, and uh, think that you're just kind of doing it right, and I I really love. Uh, what you're doing and I really love the site and I'm glad we finally got to have this conversation. So thanks for being on the podcast. Wow. So happy to hear that. And uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on uh, and being part of your uh, enormous streak of, <laughs> uh, of episodes with, with a lot of great people. So I'm also um, impressed uh, that you, you're oh. getting all these people on the show. So good job and, and keep it up. Oh, I'm, uh, thanks. I'll keep on listening. This episode was recorded on November 2nd, 2018. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.